What is happening, everybody out there? Welcome to the party. I don't know why the Matt Talk team is still playing in the background. I think that has something to do with my Instagram feed. You know, we have technical difficulties all the time uh, when it's three geeks produced program. So I apologize. But one thing I learned watching Matt talk lock today is that, man, tennis players are jackasses. <laughs> like every tennis player in this show was just a jerk. And then what's funny is that the show I watched afterwards with my girlfriend was called Based on a Story, and it's about a tennis player. So um, I thought that was funny, you know, from tennis to tennis. But uh, John, you know, yeah. I'm a good badminton player. Like, I play badminton so well that I'm so good at badminton, I can hardly remember what it's called sometimes. <laughs> I've heard that about you. I've heard that you are a whiz when it comes to the badminton. Um... I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you think it's mousetrap, but, uh, you know, that's yeah. neither here nor there. How you doing, man? We haven't seen each other since before Christmas. That's right, man. I'm doing well. Doing well. Um, how was the holidays for you? Dude, they were good. Uh, the first time I've been surprised at Christmas in a long time. Cool. Excellent. A couple of surprises. Uh, Max and Liz got me this. Oh, nice. Where do you get those made, by the way? Um, pop me, I think. Com. I'll, I'll get the link and send it to you. Okay. That's cool. Uh, my I, uncle I and his girlfriend got me... Um, an iPad, which I'm super excited about because now I can do a lot more reading and stuff because I'd rather read from a tablet. It's just easier, more convenient when you're out and about. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. How about you? Uh, well, I will share one of the coolest um, uh, Christmas gifts I got was I got a one of those retro little Game Boys that has like 400 games. So that was pretty cool. My girlfriend got that for me. And uh, I, I didn't realize I missed Tetris as much as I did until i got that game boy that's all i've been playing that galaga pac-man dig dug then there's there's some there's some that were kind of lame like ice hockey was not a very fun game it was very confusing i didn't understand how to play it uh oh there's mortal combats are on on there as well i've played some of those but there's some that it's like i don't remember these games but nonetheless it was cool i i've enjoyed it especially uh flying up to rhode island and back it was something great to kill some time in the airport that's cool i did yeah. you beat tetris like the thirteen-year-old did? No, no, I did not. I uh, I made it past a couple of boards or a couple of screens, but I haven't, you know, been uh, been that skilled in order to be victorious and uh, and beat it. In general, how long has it? How far have you been able to make it in Tetris at any stage in your life? Ooh, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, two, two, three screens, maybe three screens. I don't know what that means. Three levels. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I hope you can make it past thirty lines, John. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, you you want to go by lines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hitting thirty on average. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thirty lines. Okay, that's. I didn't know how you meant. You know, because it, after you get so many lines, it it gives you like a. It changes the colors of things and that. So I didn't know what you were meaning, but yeah, I get I get about thirty lines. I probably I'd say that would be even back in the day acceptable. I, I have made it to level 18 once. <laughs> it is so hard to get that because everything just goes so fast. But that's yeah. that's the best I've done so far. Yeah. I like that Justin has commented to us in the private chat. This sounds like two dudes that don't play Tetris. Very nice. Very good. Very good, sir. I, I used to, man. I, 30 lines, John. I mean, you got to be able to do better than that. Okay. Well, I'll work on it, man. It's been, look, man, it's been. 
23 years since I've last played Tetris. All right. So it's been a while. I'll get back. I'm just rusty, man. You know, that's fair. But by the way, want to say happy uh, 2024 to everybody out there. Everybody's watching, people that are going to be listening to the audio version of this later on. Uh, just wanted to say happy 2024. Hope that it's off to a good start. And that that's what I was segueing over to you, Jason. Has it, It's off to a good start so far? It is, man. We can cool. just breeze over the fact that I turned 21 for the 21st time. <laughs> we will breeze over that. So, but uh Anyways, um, as we like to do before we dive into our episode for you new viewers or listeners, uh, let's talk about what we're watching. Uh, Jason, what are you watching right now in terms of either movies or television shows? I'm trying to play catch up because on Three Geeks this week, we're going to do our top five favorite things we watched last year. And there's a few things I want to watch ahead of time. Like I need to watch Saw. I need to watch Exorcist. I need to watch... Uh, I want to watch Little Mermaid before that time. I need to watch the new Transformers. Oppenheimer, I need to watch. I still need to watch Barbie. Like, I've got a nice little list of 2023 movies that I haven't seen yet. That's what I'm going to be diving into. I have that list, too, because I'm coming up on the movie review uh, episode of the PVD cast. And I'm like, holy crap, I haven't seen this movie, that movie, this movie, that movie. And I feel like if we're going to discuss movies of 2023, I cannot not see these, you know? I'm going to be working my way through that. As a matter of fact, I just watched one of them that I wanted to see uh, last weekend. I watched Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, uh, which I liked. Um, It's not perfect. There were some flaws at the beginning and at the end of the movie, but the middle part was real fun. It was a standalone Indiana Jones movie, uh, much better than the fourth one. So I liked it. That's another one I need to watch. Like I really want to watch that. I, from the people that have actually seen the movie, like outside of critics, I have not heard anybody say that they didn't enjoy the Indiana Jones movie. No, it, it, my my biggest thing is there's there's something that happens at the beginning that's never explained in the movie, and it left me like going, "Whoa, what happened?" And and then and then it ends very abruptly. Like there's the the ending was real abrupt, and I'm like, couldn't have done that a little better. But the rest of it's good. It's a it's you know it's good. It's solid. I liked it a lot. No hiding in fridges or no, 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 no aliens, no hiding in a refrigerator. No. Nice. Uh, the only other thing I watched, I went to the theater to see the Von Erics, uh, excuse me, the Iron Claw, which is the movie about the Von Erich wrestling family. Uh, and it was okay. It was all right. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I can't think of anything else. You're not watching any series or anything. No, not right now. I'm in between series trying to remember what the last series I watched was, dude, I, I watch so much stuff. It's so easy for me to forget what I've watched. Like it just goes in and comes out. I'm in the midst of both What If and Gen V. I'm watching nice. those. I need to catch up on my Marvel stuff. I I need to watch Secret Wars. I need to watch Loki, and I need to watch What If. What If so far has been okay. Uh, Gen V. I, I have to be honest. I've only watched two episodes. And I'm really confused by what's going on. And I, I, I've, I've heard that it gets better in the next couple of episodes. So I'm really hoping for that because it's a little bit confusing. And I really like the boys. Um, so I'm, I have high hopes for for that uh, for that series. Oh, I caught up on the um, the morning show. Morning show. Oh, That's a good okay. show. That is a good okay. show, people. You need to watch it. John Hamm joined the cast in season four. It was a very good show. All right. Okay. Well, with that, Jason. Um, are we ready to talk about this episode of Matlock? We are, John. And I want to tell a funny story. So I went to go. I've been watching 
so my goal in watching this series, I have it on DVD, but since it's become more available to people, I've been trying to watch it where other people can watch it so I can recommend, hey, go check it out on Amazon, go check it out on Pluto TV. But this episode wasn't on either. Because I, I called John. I'm like, dude, this isn't a season four episode. He's like, yes, it is. I'm like, no, it's not. He's like, yes, it is. I'm like, it's not on here. I'm like, what? He said it's episode 19. So I looked. Episode 19 was part two of a different two-parter. And I'm like, John, this episode doesn't exist. It's not on any streaming services. And, you know, uh, Daniel or Gino, and if you guys are watching it, can tell me why the pro isn't streaming. I'd love to know. I bet it's got to have something contractually connected to uh, to that episode. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm trying to think that maybe there's a different production company for some odd reason, and that's why it's not streaming. I don't know. That, that's, that was really weird because, like I said, when you called me, I'm like, no. I double-checked it because I, I was like, okay. Because I kept thinking, as we'll let the cat out of the bag, it, in two weeks when we do this again, it's a two-parter. So I was like, huh, is it a two-parter? No, it's not. It's one-parter. I double-checked to make sure, and then I went to the DVD rack and pulled it out and uh, watched it. Uh, DVD. I'm straight from the DVD rack uh, with Matlock. So, yeah, I watched uh, my yeah. DVD today. That's, yeah. all I, that's all I could do. That's all I could yeah. do. I thought maybe we had a banned episode of Matlock. Like, I'm like, <laughs> all right. Are we getting controversial today on Matt Talk? Because this episode isn't streaming, and that's usually what happens when something's not streaming. It's controversial, at least if the series has been out. Like, sometimes there's rights issues or so forth that they can't stream yeah. the show in general, but not usually an episode. It's weird. All right. Well, with that then, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into our opening statements. All right. The name of the episode is The Pro, and its original air date is February 13th, 1990. I'm going to share real quickly with what I told you on the phone a little while ago. As I went to get the DVD out, uh, excuse me, yeah, when I went to go get the DVD out, I, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, hmm, the pro, I wonder what this is going to be about. You know, because I didn't read the description online. I just looked it up to make sure the title was there. And I was like, well, the pro, I know that pros is a slang term for hookers. So I wonder if this is going to be about hookers. And it wasn't. It was about the other type of pros tennis pros or golf pros it was about tennis pros so folks 614-867-5309 to send all of your angry <laughs> comments to john orlando so just yeah 614-867-5309 wait a minute time, time out time out time out we got rid of the twitter account and now we have a phone number <laughs> yeah ask for jenny uh she's our secretary uh great girl that jenny Anyways, let's talk about some guest stars, Jason. In fact, one that is pretty well known to a lot of people. And let's start off with that individual. This episode will feature Perry Gilpin as Leslie Matthews. We probably know her best as Frasier Crane's uh, producer on the show, Frasier. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Roz, that character that kind of was not only just the producer, but also kind of a little bit of an antagonist for Frasier. Um, she's also known as playing the role Catherine Cooper on Scorpion, Barbara Russell on CSI, and even did some animated work uh, playing the role of Lana Lionheart in the animated kids series, The Lionhearts, as well as a plethora of other credits to her name. Um, and she shows up on the, the very well done Frasier reboot as Roz in the final episode of the first season. So um, I, I was going to ask that because I know you've been watching that. So I was going to ask if she shows up. 
you know, as a kid, I could never get into Frasier. The, the, I think the comedy was a little highbrow for me. But the new Frasier, it's kind of more in the terms of like a Cheers style comedy. So I'm a lot more in on it. And, uh, dude, I thought it was a really good show. And then, yeah, she shows up in the final episode. No, that's cool. I, I never got into Frasier either. I really, I mean, I would watch a little bit of Cheers, you know, as a kid. It, it was okay. Like, I didn't have anything against it. Um, it just, to me, was, I don't know. It, it was, as you said, best put. A little bit over my head. A little bit too highbrow of comedy uh, than, than what I uh, what I was used to, so. Yeah, I might I might go back and watch Frasier now that I'm older, and I really like I said I really like the reboot, so I'm kind of interesting interested in going back. I'll tell you what, John Mahoney though that he was he was fantastic on Frasier when I you know when I've caught a couple of episodes, and uh, he was just he was really good at playing like the crotchety old old dad you know because he was in uh, she's the one which is an an old '90s rom com with Cameron Diaz and. Jennifer Anderson is in it. It's an Edward Burns film and he steals the show. Like he's not on screen more than like four or five minutes, but he steals the show. John Mahoney. I know he's passed on, but great actor. What's up, Mick watching us from Instagram. Instagram comments aren't coming through. So I have it up in a different window. Okay. Yes. Uh, Dr. Mario. I used to have it on my NES. uh, I am not familiar with that one, Daniel, but good hearing from you, man. Excellent. Do we have any other comments that we need to, to touch base with let's see i'm more of a mousetrap fan well <laughs> yeah that like this mousetrap game that's so yeah. awesome enough anyways all right let's talk about our second uh guest star the gentleman's name is gary hudson he will be playing the role of peter southcott uh you may know him as steve on roadhouse he was one of the um one of the lackeys at the double deuce uh you may also know him as sheriff viva in the adventures of briscoe county jr you may also know him as David McGregor on the uh, TV show Wild Roses, uh, Bobby Cole in L.A. Heat, and Henry Stanley in Air America. Both of those L.A. Heat and Air America are TV shows, and he also has a ton of like one and done um, performances on various different shows as well. All right, moving on to our third uh, guest star is John Hostetter, who he actually um, was a gentleman that has shown up in a previous episode of Matlock. He was Whitehall in the episode, the power brokers, which was from season two episodes five and six, but here he'll be playing engineer. (laughs) Well, I love it when we get these Jason, no name, just engineer or cop (laughs) or whatever. Just one word telling us what they do and not so much who they are. Uh, But he was also known as, or has also played the role of Reese in Heartbreak Ridge, Styles in Beverly Hills Cop 2. He provided a bunch of voices for the HBO Spawn cartoon. Have you ever seen that? No, I want to, because I've heard so, so many wonderful things, and you're missing a big credit, but I want to see if you see it before I, uh, I say okay. it. Well, you know what? I saw Spawn when it first came out, but that was like, Again, 25 years ago. I've never rewatched it. I know it's got to be on HBO Max, I believe. I'm going to have to sit down and revisit it because it was really good when it came out. It was very, very well done. It was much better than the movie. But anyways, let's talk some more about John. He also was John on Murphy Brown. He played the role of Mills in the 1990 version of Flash. And uh, he has a lot of other voiceover work uh, with a lot of anime projects. 
Did I hit the one on the head, the nail on the head, so to speak, for you or no? No, John was in the Kid and Play Classic Class Act that I, I I love that movie so much. Yeah, he was in that. He plays the football coach that uh, recruits kid. I can't remember his character's name in the movie, but um, I have it on Blu-ray. I watch it still to this day. It's one of Polly Shore's first movies. Have you seen the Kid and Play uh, insurance commercial? No, there's a kid in place. Yeah, kid in place. And I can't remember what company's for. It's either Progressive or Geico. I don't remember. But it it's it's basically making fun of the fact that they're having a house party and their house gets wrecked and then they make an insurance claim. But it's kid in play. And I, because I saw it when I was in Rhode Island. And, of course, my mom and nobody there knew what I was talking about. But I'm like, it's kid in play. So, yeah, you have to keep your eye out for that or maybe see if you can YouTube that. And then he was also in um, a Murder, She Wrote movie. Yes. Um, yes he was. Not the last one, but the second to last one. That's, Dude, I, I, I want to know why Andy Griffith didn't continue to play Matlock in movies. Because, like, uh, Columbo continued to make movies mm-hmm. every two years. There was a new Columbo movie from the time the series ended all the way up till Peter Falk passed away. And, um, you know, Angela Lansbury didn't go all the way up till she died. I think she stopped in 2003. But she made a bunch of movies as well after the end of Murder, She Wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those things I think got like some pretty decent billing. Like I think, if I remember correctly, Murder She Wrote was on like Sunday nights at eight, and you would see mm-hmm. the movie, you know. So yeah, I remember. I remember my mom and dad saying Columbo's on tonight, and I'm like, "What's Columbo? I don't want to watch Columbo." That's okay because you were two years old and learned how to program the VCR, so you could just tape something and watch it later. I did. Anytime my daughter can't figure out how to do something, she hears that story. She rolls her eyes. I know she does because you're like, I learned how to set the VCR. That's a very complicated thing for a two-year-old, you know? Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> All right. I just threw this one down. We have one more actual guest star, but I threw this one down because while doing research, I thought this was kind of interesting. Louis Castile will be played, the role of Louis Castile will be played by a gentleman by the name of Reiner Shone, I believe is pronounced. He literally has only like a handful, like a a half a dozen American credits, but has like 80 credits in Germany films and TV shows, all of which had names that I can't pronounce. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not writing this guy down. Sorry. Anyways. All right. Lastly, Vincent Van Patten will be here playing the role of Dave Travis. And you may ask yourself, Hey, that name sounds familiar. Well, it should because it is, he is the son of Dick Van Patten. And uh, you may know him for his roles as Dr. Todd Morella on Baywatch, uh, Johnny on Wonder Woman. He was also a Christian Page on Young and the Restless. So there you go, a little nepotism happening here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You missed a big credit. But before I get to that, I want to say, like, you know, I, every time I see this guy, I think it's Ted McGinley from, uh, like, Married with Children, Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, Cause he looks so much like him, but he's from the world poker tour. That's probably yeah. what he's most known for now. That's true. That's true. Commentator. All right. With that, let's see. I think we got a few more comments coming here. We got word that we got a few more comments and while we're doing that, Jason, I highly recommend the spawn series. Okay. Same Daniel. Like I said, I remember it being well. Oh, really? The James Gardner also made a few movies of the Rockford files after its cancellation. Really? I did not know that. I need to watch that show. I think um, Daniel's recommended that to me recently, The Rockford Files. I have, on occasion, recently, within the last two or three months, have watched some of The Rockford Files because 
one of the over the air channels since I stream and don't have cable, but one of the over the air channels, like it's, I don't know if it's grit or, or me, it's not me TV, but it's like one of those stations, they show it at night, like at nine o'clock. And there's been a few nights where I've been too lazy to get off the couch. And I was just like, oh, I'll just watch this. And it's, it's, it's a fun show. It's, uh, I like that James Gardner's kind of a little bit, like he's not your typical hero. He's kind of a little bit not afraid to cut corners to get the job done. So it's, I, I recommend it. I think you should check it out. Nice. All right. With that then, Jason, it's that time, man. It's that time. For you to tell me your opinion, solely your opinion, and only your opinion, so help you. I do. Let's testify! 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 Oh, yes. Can't get enough of that fine old maple re- maple leaf rag or ma- maple reef rag as i was going to say that's that's not correct but <laughs> jason you are you okay i'm fine man i'm so excited to talk about matlock <laughs> okay <laughs> why i just literally was like there's something going on at your house i need do i need to dial 911 blink if if somebody has invaded your house All right, let's get to it here, ladies and gentlemen, the plot of this episode. After Matlock's client is convicted, Conrad and Michelle must investigate to see if they can get the decision reversed and set an innocent man free. Our opening scene, it's an old-timey tennis tournament. And uh, I had two questions. One, where did they get this footage? Because some of this footage looks really, really old and also... Where did you find such footage of such a genteel game? Because as you mentioned, Jason, tennis is full of of jackasses, huge jackasses. Apparently, man, people on this show, none of them were nice people. Man, do you not remember tennis back when you was a kid? Like John McEnroe was like the king of like blowing up and throwing his racket and cursing out officials. And you don't remember him? No, apparently I do. I didn't watch tennis. John, you know me in sports, man. I don't watch sports. Who's got oh, time for true. that? That's true. I forgot. You are not a sports dude. Well, anyways, the, trust me on this. Between John McEnroe and the flashy Andre Agassi, uh, you know, tennis. Tennis was a highly competitive sport for a while. Still is. All right, we go to the courtroom, and what do you know? We get Julie in this episode, Jason. Dude, dude, oh man, this episode, this this episode, I've got thoughts, but let me keep going. Okay, and right now, while we are in the courtroom, we are hearing the closing statements in Dave Travis's trial. And basically, Dave is accused of killing his rival, Vincent Tomasio, or Tomasso. I like that we started kind of in the middle or towards the end of this tale that we started with that and then kind of worked our way backwards. I thought that was a unique kind of way to do it. Instead of we're starting way at the beginning where the murder happens. I like that they kind of mixed it up a little bit. What about we didn't really work our way backwards. We just started at the end of one trial going into investigating a second trial. Yeah, but it was, it was not the standard way that we normally see the episode presented to us in Matlock. That's fair. That's fair. So we get footage of their final match. Um, and as I put down here, Dave seems to be a hot-headed John McEnroe-like character. 
In fact, uh, Dave slugs Vincent uh, because he was claiming after the match, of course, this happened. He was claiming that Vincent was hitting on his wife. And uh, the security guard later on uh, sees Dave Travis entering Vincent's uh, locker room. And the coach then, after he leaves, after Dave leaves, the coach enters and finds the dead body of Vincent. So um, that that's basically the, the, the first few minutes of this episode. I did like this comment from Ben when Ben was uh, giving his thoughts. I like that he, in his closing arguments, was like, he made a pass at his wife. You could justify punching a guy in the face. Like, I like how you could justify him being a complete idiot, a complete moron, a complete uh jackass for lack of a better term but yet you know he could do all these things but is he a murderer is he a murderer i don't think so justin just hit us up with a message that he did not know colombo had a fake eye yeah he has a random statue in belgium really peter falk has like a random statue in belgium yeah well it's not it's not a peter falk statue it's a colombo statue because, yeah, Colombo is really big in Belgium, apparently. Me and my uncle did research on it because he's a really big Colombo fan, too. When, like, of all places, it's so, like, random. Wow. Okay. You know what? That's so random that that trumps, like, world-class championship wrestling from Dallas being huge over in Israel. Because that also now, is a fact. I was like, dude, we should get a Colombo statue, a Matlock statue, Perry Mason statue, and an Angela Lansbury statue all outside of our house. I'm getting you a, a Matlock statue. I'm having Please. it delivered. I'm having it delivered. It's going to be in a wood crate, and you have to say, "Oh, it must be from Italy," because it says "fragile" on it. Okay. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> so Ben, he's he's talking again to Dave about being in the locker room, and he's and Dave claims, "Look, you know, I challenged Vince to a rematch. He was alive when I when I left." You know, and, and, and that's basically his story. Uh, I did find that, man, oh, man, again, Dave is real nervous about the, the jury being out. And the way that he expresses that is by tearing them down. I'm like, it's a good thing people didn't hear you, dude. You know, yeah. I, make more, I make more money than they do in two years. Dude, come on. What if one of them overhears you? Yeah, don't be a jerk. Yeah, I agree. Um, the jury does find Dave guilty. And here we go. Let's talk about it. It's one of the rare losses for Matlock. He takes the L, ladies and gentlemen. I've got thoughts, but I can't give my thoughts until the end, or I'll spoil the episode. You sure? Okay. What? All right. Yeah, I have thoughts about him losing now, and then okay. what happens later. Okay. Ooh, I'm 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 on the edge of my seat. So we cut to a scene where uh, Ben is in jail talking to Dave, and Dave is just blowing up. He's ranting and raving. And basically, Ben sets him down. He's like, look, flimsy evidence. They got you on that. It's that they didn't like you. The jury did not like you. That's basically what it comes down to. And so uh, Dave is, you know, still like, I don't care that they don't like me, you know. And in fact, Dave drops this and says, hey, Ben, since you can't do your job correct, my wife canceled payment on the check. And that makes Ben sad because as we know, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to Ben Matlock, it's all about that cream. Cash rules everything about Matlock. That's true. I'm surprised. You know what I mean? Like, I expected him to get mad. 
You didn't expect him to get mad? He expected him to get mad. He didn't really oh. get mad. No, no, he didn't. He didn't seem to get mad. But now we'll cut to a, a scene in the office of Ben Matlock where Michelle and Ben are trying to figure out what they could do to retry the case. Ben apparently can't do anything because he has a bunch of trials all backed up. So he sends Michelle and Conrad to California to find evidence at the at the tournament. And, and I'm giggling and laughing because this is the first instance that we're going to get of Jackass. Okay, we see the first shot of Conrad and Michelle in California. And I, I have to ask this, and I don't know, Jason, you probably, you probably, you didn't even know this is probably. What the hell was Michelle wearing? It was like a business suit, but they were shorts instead of pants. And I'm like, I don't remember that being a look back in the 90s. I was really somewhat flabbergasted by that. And then furthermore, I was somewhat complex or perplexed not complex perplexed about why conrad only had one outfit like i didn't understand that like he couldn't go to a store or he didn't have at least 20 minutes to pack i mean this is 1990 he said a little thing he said ben said i had to leave right then I didn't have time did. to grab anything. It's for the, of course, he could have grabbed something at the airport. It's just for the bit through the episode. That's all it was. And as far as Michelle's clothes go, 90s were a weird time, man. Like, I love the 90s. I love everything about the 90s. But if you really go back and look at the fashion from that time, you'd be like, I don't remember that being a thing. But it was. It was fashion in the 90s was questionable. I mean, let's just be honest. Watch Saved by the Bell, folks. You'll really see how questionable the 90s fashion was. All right. Well, um, if you have comments on 90s fashions or anything else, you can contact us a couple different ways. Jason, hit them up with that email address. Yeah, first, follow us on Twitter at Matlock, Matt Talk underscore podcast. And you can email me at B-E-N-M-A-T-T-A-L-K at gmail.com. Thank you. And you can also follow us on Facebook at Matt Talk Podcast. There is no more Twitter as the Twitter account has no longer uh, served its purpose. So it is it's gone. So I don't know why you're telling people to go there. Anyways, you're a scoundrel sometimes, Mr. Taylor. A scoundrel. He goes to X past. <laughs> well technically technically nobody has a Twitter account anymore. Technically. Technically, it's an X account. You're right. Correct. Yes. I was going to say, didn't we kill the X? That's what <laughs> that's what Justin just said. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Let's get to it. Back to the show here. Michelle stumbles across a uh, advertising shoot. And man, oh, man, do the ladies love Gil McDevitt. He's shooting this commercial. There's all these young ladies around. And so Michelle interviews him. And get some information from him. And then we go back to a scene at jail where Ben visits Dave one more time. And he drops this little bit of knowledge to Dave that, Hey man, Gil was trying to swipe that commercial deal away from you because it was supposed to be yours. And then he swiped it away. So would that be a reason enough for, to kill him? He also states Ben does that Gil switches coaches. And that's when Dave quips, everybody hates me. And I, I just for a moment, when he said that to Ben, I was thinking it's a good thing this is happening in 1990 because Dave Travis, he wouldn't he wouldn't stand up to the scrutiny of social media, would he? No. <laughs> no. Dude, nobody nobody that plays tennis in this show would handle the 90 uh, the now very well. 
All right, well, let's talk about another tennis player, Sarah McLean. She is mobbed by fans when Michelle tries to uh, interview her. Um, Conrad interviews Louis Castile. And then uh, Louis leaves. Michelle joins Conrad in the stands. Uh, they're watching practice. And then Michelle says that she has learned that Southcott uh, blames uh, uh, Vincent for his brother's death. So they, there was a car accident. Southcott, this other tennis player, he he accuses Vincent of, of having something to do with it. I'm assuming driving or whatnot. The only co- curious thing is, though, that Southcott continues to be, or what continued, I should say, past tense, to be uh, Vincent's doubles partner, which is weird because you would think if, say, for an example, I blame somebody for the failure of this podcast, I certainly wouldn't co-host other podcasts with him. Yeah, but that's true. He hasn't been on Three Geeks in a year. That's probably oh! <laughs> well played. I, dude, I gave you that softball right down the middle, man. It was it was going right. He gets down invited the every week. He's even in one of the group chats and never shows up. Okay, well that's for another podcast and another time. Let's keep it rolling, man. Um, so Michelle arrives uh, again. Uh, and chats with Leslie Matthews. Oh, excuse me. She arrives at a house and chats with Leslie Matthews. Uh, Gil shows up and he says in the lamest excuse ever, oh, this is my cousin. I didn't fall for that line at all. Did you? No. What we do find out is Gil has knocked up Leslie. Um, He met her on tour somewhere in Chicago, knocked her up. She wanted some money. Um, she was going to, you know, blackmail him. So he moves her out, buys her house, moves her out to the West coast. Here's my question. And, and I, I don't know. And again, this is just from my perspective is having a baby out of wedlock, a big thing in 1990. Cause I'm thinking about this. It is because I was thinking oh, yeah. back to, Oh, Justin says, yes. Okay. See, I, I just, to me, it's I thought huge. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so okay, I didn't remember. I didn't remember if it was such a big deal or not back then, but all right, we'll go with that. Well, Castile overhears Gil talking to Leslie one day, and so basically this is how he weasels his way into being the coach of Gil. John, what? did you hear did you hear Sally's daughter had a baby out of wedlock? It's just awful. Awful. I can't believe it. That's what you would hear at the supermarkets. Hey, uh, Meredith, do these melons look ripe? Anyways. <laughs> yeah, in church. <laughs> yes, just, Justin says at church as well. Anyways, um, so then we have a doubles match. We have footage of a doubles match in which uh, at the end of it, Michelle stops and talks to Southcott. And basically, it was Vincent who uh, dumped Southcott. And this cost Southcott a bunch of money. And then... I will tell you right now, I'm so happy that somebody plead the fifth because he was like, hey, you you want anything more from me? You talk to my lawyer. Finally, someone that knows you shut up when Michelle or Conrad or Ben talk to you. You plead the fifth, as Dave Chappelle says. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I love Michelle. I do. Sorry, too. I that. Do that was an inside thought that just came out. <laughs> well, she's, Michelle she's does a wonderful. great job. Let, let's just be honest here. Let's. Uh, I, I'm going to reveal a little bit of my uh, rating of this uh, episode by saying I think uh, Nancy and, and and Clarence did a fantastic job as being the leads on this because it's mostly Michelle and Conrad finally, 
and they do a very good job. This this is this is a very good, excellent performance from both of those folks. This has been a weird season, man, because there has been a lot of episodes where it's more the side characters than it is Matlock. Or there's been characters that it's a lot of Matlock and none of the side characters. It's been a Correct. very, very fascinating season. Okay, the next thing we see, I, I don't think this would happen again in modern day times, but Conrad is impersonating a masseuse. Or I think it's a masseur, I think is how is the male version. Anyways, Sarah is his client. I, first of all, what's the likelihood that Conrad has the skills to pull off being a masseuse? Probably very high. Well, he seems to be like like a James Bond-like character. He's got lots of skills. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. You answered Anyways, your question, John. I guess I did. Uh, <laughs> uh, Conrad interviews Sarah, and here's the other thing I wrote down. Doesn't she find this weird? Like, this seems very intrusive, some of his questions. Like, would you be like, like, because, I mean, eventually goes, how about shutting your mouth? But I would have thought after, like, the first three or four questions he asked that she would be like, Hey, uh, zip it, buddy, and just massage. The massage is supposed to be relaxing, not like uh, interrogation. Uh, have you uh, have you ever had one? No, I'd love to. I have. I mean, one. I've, had, I've I've had one like at home, but not like a professional professional. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I've had one professionally done. It's fantastic. It's it's great. I highly recommend it. It's well worth the seventy five bucks. The guys, have no idea how much of a compliment that is because when it comes to money, John is like Matt. So if he's telling you that it's $75 well spent, he freaking means it. <laughs> I, I am a little bit on the cheap side. You are correct on that. Hey, man, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I, I wish I was. <laughs> I do. I so wish I was. I'm just jealous. <laughs> Justin appreciates my comments. He's like, yeah, dunk on him, John. Anyways. All right. So Conrad and Michelle meet up. They swap notes. And they definitely think that Sarah did it. All right. <clears throat> Southcott shows up again in another scene. It stops Michelle and, and Conrad and claims, listen, I didn't kill uh, uh, Vincent. All right. I it didn't. I didn't do it. One final little protest from Southcott. And then we get to the jail cell where Ben has his ukulele. And he's playing a song for Dave while Dave eats Chinese food. The sheer absurdity of this made me laugh. What about you, Jason? I wish that somebody would show up with a ukulele and play music to me while I eat Chinese food. That's what I was thinking. Like, why, why, why can't I have a nice elder man come over and play the ukulele for me? I would. I'd love that. You guys can call 614-867-5309 if you're looking to play a ukulele for somebody. That's right. Just give your name to Jenny, our secretary, and she'll get us the information uh, pronto. I actually thought about... Maybe next time I go to Lucky House, which is my favorite Chinese restaurant here in town, maybe I'll ask, can you, can one of you guys get a ukulele and play music for me, please? Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> I love, though, that Ben said that he didn't want any because he, quote, settled for a hot dog. Settled, good sir. Settled? No, 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 no. Settle is when you go, I want a hot dog, but I'll settle for graham crackers. No, 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 no. You love hot dogs, Ben Matlock, you love them. He didn't settle. He didn't settle at all. All right. So basically, Ben tells uh, Dave that he thinks Sarah is a suspect. And then he continues to play the ukulele, claiming that makes him happy. But then Dave says it doesn't make him happy. So next scene, 
Uh, ben Matlock does not understand the idea of time zones, apparently, because he calls Michelle, waking her up in the middle of the night, and says, you got to come home. You two could come on home. But Michelle mentions that they can't subpoena Sarah if she's out of state. Like, yeah, you, you think she she did it. We could get her back here, but, you know, we can't subpoena her out of state. Again, this is why we need a legal mind, a legal eagle, if you will, on this podcast, because I don't think that's a real thing. Do you, Jason? I don't think that's a real thing either. No, I think because it's called extradition and they do it all the time. Yeah, maybe it was back then. I mean, like I said, I, I, I don't um, know. I think that's something that's always happened because, I, I mean, all Michelle would have to do is go to a judge and say, hey, we need extradition papers, blah, 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 blah. But nonetheless, nonetheless, this leads us into a fantastic scene where Ben is trying to get an old uh, friend of his and business associate, Herb, to help him out to set a trap for Sarah. All right. Set a trap for her to come on back to Atlanta, Georgia. He asks, can you put up $50,000? for this tennis player to come and speak at a conference for your employees. And Herb's like, uh, no, I'm not doing that. Ben's like, please, you can do it. And Herb was like, uh, who's $50,000 are you going to use? And then Ben's like, look, she's never going to use the money. She's never even going to get the money. We're going to convict, convict her beforehand. But finally Herb says, you know what? I'll do it. If you put your personal promise that if anything happens, you'll reimburse the $50,000. He's shrewd, man. He's shrewd because this hurts Ben because for the second time in this episode, as we know, when it comes to Ben Matlock, it's all about that cream. Cash rules everything around Matlock. That's right, man. That's Matlock's bread. No, you do not. So we go to a scene where Sarah uh, gets a call from her agent regarding Herb's offer. And lo and behold, uh, Conrad serves her with papers at the airport. And so that means we are going to the courtroom where we get a hearing to possibly get a new trial for Dave Trapp. Okay, so I can say some of my thoughts now. Go so, ahead. I've been waiting. I've been waiting all podcast. There is not, there's not a, any part of me that believes that Matlock would ever need a second trial to ask and do the investigating that he's been doing right now. All this stuff he would have done during the first trial. That's That's what bothered me the whole time. It's like... This is what he does, and like every other episode, like why is he doing this in the second or trying to make a second trial when we all know that these are all the questions and everything he would have asked the first time around? That's a very good point. That's a very good point. One that over unless you just gave him a really bad defense the first time. Maybe, maybe his defense was if you look at the doors back here, and that didn't work the second time. It worked once, but not a second time. And another thing, this didn't bother me. It's just. It is very hard to get a hearing for a second trial in a court system. How do you know that? I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Oh, <laughs> a lot. And I know yeah. like the, the absurd levels people have to go to, like even with like all the evidence in front of them, like it's, it's all political and stuff. It's really hard to do. Uh, for a minute, I thought you had some felonies I was unaware of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. It's story time. You ready? So uh, I haven't been pulled over in years, years. I got uh, pulled over because a cop asked to see my driver's license. I handed it to him. He's like, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, no, <laughs> not at all. I wasn't speeding. And he goes, um, your driver's license has been expired for 30 days. And I'm like, 
my birthday. Oh crap. I said, I thought it was 2024 that it expired. He's like, Nope. So I got pulled over an hour later. I get pulled over again. I went out and got my license like during the hour. So I went, got pulled over again. The cops like, um, do you know what the speed limit is on that road? And I was like, 45 miles per hour. He's like, no, it's 25. I'm like, Oh, so I got pulled over twice in the same day. You know, that road by your house outside of the coals. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to give away anything, but, uh, yeah, that's where that's the road that got me. Oh man. Oh man. That's, that's, you know what? Uh, COVID my license expired and I, and I like didn't renew it because I totally didn't think about it. I didn't renew it for almost four months and you have like six months to renew it. Cause I called the DMV. I'm like, what's your COVID protocol? And they're like, why? And I'm like, well, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, you do need to get in here within the next couple of months because six months is the limit. I'm like, oh, that was a horrific tale. But I- Everybody I, I told I, that story to, they're like, I thought you had 30 days from your birthday to get your license renewed. Like, Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently you do not. I don't know. All right, let's get back to Matlock. Um, Sarah's on the stand. And I love how Ben apologizes that she lost her lucrative speaking engagement because of this, that he feels bad. I'm like, oh, what a load of crap. What a load of crap. And I well, think she Sarah. Kept it on. Yeah, she kept I was going to say. She, she gives him that knowing look later. Yeah, she knows that she's getting bamboozled on this one. Yeah. So Ben interviews Sarah. And basically the crux of the examination is that Sarah broke off a relationship with Vincent. And then uh, in reality, it was Vincent broke it off with her. So this gives motive to Sarah to possibly be the killer. Uh, I like that how the uh, doctor comes in the room and this is very random, but it fits the puzzles pieces fit together in a little bit. But Ben starts talking to him. Hey, Dr. So-and-so, how's it going? How's the kids? How's the family? And the judge gets very mad. He's like, Mr. Matlock, will you pay attention? I thought that was pretty good. So there's a video of the matches from the day of the murder. And it shows that there is this mystery wristband from the company Avere that Sarah is wearing. Um, She's wearing it in one match, but not wearing, well, she's not wearing it at the beginning in the first match, but in the second match, she's wearing it. So Sarah changes clothes and she claims that when she did that, she just found it and she used it. But Ben points out, well, there's only one person that had that particular uh, wristband, and that was Victor. Or excuse me, Vincent. Because Vincent signed this deal with Avir, and they had changed the logo, so it was the new logo. So no one had that wristband. So he, she had to have gone into his locker room and taken it. And so what leads Ben to his next line of questioning is that wristband. And he says, look. I think you went into his 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 locker room. You got into an argument. You started struggling with you. He burned you with a cigarette multiple times on the wrist. You got after you hit him over the head with that weight, that hand weight. You then put the the wristband on and took off. And so uh, the the other thing that I want want to point out, and because it's mentioned and I, I omitted this part, was that Ben said then you ran off with the weight in a towel and you put it in Dave's car. Does no one lock anybody's cars around here on this show? I mean, how many episodes have we found where somebody ends up with a gun or the murder weapon or whatever in their car? Lock your doors. Stop leaving them unlocked, people. I don't lock my car doors. You don't? No, I don't want to pay for a broken windshield. If they're going to get in my car, they're going to get into it one way or the other. I'd rather them just open the door and take a cigarette lighter. 
Take the cigarette lighter. <laughs> Cars don't have those anymore, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Anyways, so um, Sarah can't take off the wrist band, the wristband either, like Ben says while he's going on his summation, because you know it, the skin, a burn is really bad. It would stick to the band, and if she would pull it off, it would quote hurt like hell, as he said. Sarah goes, ha 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 ha. There's nothing wrong with my wrist in your face, Matlock. Well, then we find out that the doctor, Dr. Steinbeck, who had come in and chatted with Ben, he treated Sarah with plastic surgery to remove that scar from her wrist. And at this point, Sarah pleads the fifth. That's right. She says, I think I want to talk to my attorney. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The case against Dave is reversed. We find out that Dave is going to write a tell-all book. And uh, basically, there's a joke about Ben's tailor because Conrad said he wanted to get out of these clothes. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling it was a nice little joke that and I would love to see Conrad in a grayish white suit with a black tie as well. And that, my friends, ends the episode. No, no, oh, it doesn't end the pro. episode, John. You're missing. They convinced Matlock to take them out to dinner. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. They did. They did offer uh, or he they did make him offer to take them out to dinner so they gotta go home and change like what are they changing into because there's no way he's taking them anywhere that's not white castle no he's taking them to ray templin's look we've seen that bar many times that is not a that's a dive bar you don't dress up you could go dress like this to ray templin's right i knew it was somewhere that was gonna have cheapish food it's gonna be ray templin's it has to be and it's gonna be cheap because for the third time ladies and gentlemen as we know with matlock cash rules everything around matlock Oh wow, man! Two Matla uh, cream sound drops, not three. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, with that, Jason, do you have anything else? I don't. I don't. All right, then let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> let's get to our closing statements. This is right. the podcast where John and I will rate the show on a gavel system. Five gavels means we absolutely loved it. One gavel means it was okay. Negative twenty gavels means that we are going to become elves move to the north pole and work for santa john how do you rank this episode for a minute there we lost you for a few seconds i was afraid that maybe you 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 had your mind just exploded you lost me so with... I, the whole thing didn't come through okay i gotta do it again <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where john and i will rate the show on a gavel system five gavels means we absolutely loved it one gavel means it was okay negative five gavels means we are moving to santa's village to become elves and work on the sleigh john how do you rate this episode I'm putting hydraulics on that sleigh if we're working on it. I want to. I want to see the sleigh hit some three wheel motion. Uh, anyways, all right. I I really like this episode. I gave it a four. I like that we got a little dash of Julie versus Ben again. Uh, I liked the interaction between Ben and Dave Travis. I liked, as I've already said, that most of the episode, like ninety percent of the episode, was Michelle and Conrad. I really did. I really dig that. The only negatives I had was the illegal business with the subpoena. I thought that that was a little hokey. And I don't know. I thought <laughs> I thought Conrad as the masseuse was a little ridiculous as well. I, I do. I thought that that kind of, even in 1990, I don't think that would have fly. But uh, Jason, what says you? I, I also like the episode, but I'll give it a three and a half for all of the reasons I said earlier. Like, there's no way Matlock lets us get to a second trial. Like, all the things that Michelle and... Uh, Conrad work on they would have done 
in the first trial. So like, I don't understand that. I think we just got this. So it'd be something different, but uh, other than that, so it was really well done. Okay. All right. So three and a half and four uh, gavels for, for each of us. Um, Real quickly, Justin, do we have any new comments that we need to, uh, to pull up? I guess not. Okay. All right. Well then, uh, Jason, let's wrap things up by talking about our other podcasting projects. Hit us up with what's going on with the three geeks podcast. We are back this weekend. I'm very excited about it. Um, seven o'clock on Saturday. Also guys jump on all of the social medias, check out the interview we did with miss Claudia Wells. Something really cool happened during that interview that just, it was, it was fun. Check it out. So, um, my normal guys couldn't make it. And one of them stood me up because he's out buying a house, which is fine. That's I'm used to max. But uh, so we had to delay it for an hour because she also had a thing going on that she had to realize. So I, I pulled in my buddy Mick. So as we're doing the interview, you know, Mick shows her the autograph he has. And he tells her a story about 2002 when he handed her the paper and asked her to sign it. And she asked him what the phone number was. And then there's a quick pause. And she looks at him and goes, you're the guy. And Mick's like, what guy? And she's like, you're the first person to ever ask me for this autograph. I, it's been so long. I've been looking to say hi and tell you thank you. Because since that time, I've been signing those blue papers. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. And you know what? We should say Claudia Wells from Back to the Future, right? Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. She's wonderful. And that, after she told the story, I'm like, damn, Mick. And I only gave her pizza in Columbus. But she remembered that. So, but it was it was a wonderful interview. After the interview, she showed us around her house she introduced us to her dog showed us what she was cooking like very nice genuine girl like i during the interview you know you kind of think okay she's just she's leading us on like this is all fake but then afterwards you go to her social media she befriended all of us this friend request she shared the story on her social media about me so it was it, it was a very wonderful experience Excellent. Cool, man. Cool. Well, the PVD cast is my personal podcasting project. In fact, I too, like Jason, back in the saddle and excited to do it. Uh, This week's episode is a comic book creator by the name of Steve Messenger. He's got a book out called Slaughter Dolls, and he does a bunch of other art as well. So we talk all about those and it's a fun episode because Steve's uh, a fun dude, man. He's just got a great personality and, and listen to him tell his story. Uh, about his projects and about the matter of fact with slaughter dolls he's a one-man show he does it all inks rights colors lettering promotion sales the whole nine yards so uh he's a hard-working man for sure and so you should definitely check it out at pvdcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts and john uh, yes. is also a one-man show he does it all he does the editing the everything I do. I do. Uh, Justin, I would say he kills it. Yes, I would. So, (laughs) all right. With that, then, Jason, shall we get on out of here? Yeah, we shall, John. All right. And as they say in court, nothing further.